Lesson 6 for May 2 to 8. Why is interpretation needed? Read by Dr. Percy Harold. Sabbath afternoon, May 2. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the not just interesting but the amazing things we find there, particularly when in studying your word we find out about you, about salvation, about the, the what happened on the cross and about Jesus' return. And there are some things, Lord, that we find hard to understand. And this week we're going to discuss, as we study the lesson, how to handle that. We pray that your Holy Spirit will be here to guide each one of us, not just in the study of our lesson, but in our daily lives as well. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our memory text this week is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let's read that again. Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. To read the Bible also means to interpret the Bible. But how do we do that? What principles do we use? How, for instance, do we deal with the different kinds of writing we find there? For example, is the passage we're reading a parable, a prophetic symbolic dream, or a historical narrative? The decision of such an important question of the context of Scripture involves an act of interpretation itself. At times, some people use the Bible as a divine oracle, simply opening the Bible randomly to seek a Bible verse that they hope will provide guidance. But randomly linking Bible passages as one finds them can lead to very strange and wrong conclusions. For instance... When a husband left his wife for another woman, the wife got great assurance when she found the following text, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, Genesis 3.15. She was convinced, based on that verse, that her husband's affair would not last. Any text without a context quickly becomes a pretext for one's own agenda and ideas. Hence, there is a great need for us not just to read the Bible, but to interpret it correctly. Sunday, May 3. Presuppositions. Question. Read Luke chapter 24, verses 36 to 45. What prevented the disciples, who were very familiar with Scripture, from seeing the true meaning of the Word of God, even when events predicted within it had unfolded before them? Luke 24, beginning at verse 36. Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me 
and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marvelled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. No one comes to the text of Scripture with a blank mind. Every reader, every student of Scripture comes to the Bible with a particular history and personal experience that inevitably impacts the process of interpretation. Even the disciples had their own ideas of who the Messiah was and what he was supposed to do, based on the expectations of their times. Their strong convictions prohibited a clearer understanding of the biblical text, which helps explain why they so often misunderstood Jesus and the events surrounding his life, death and resurrection. We all hold a number of beliefs about this world, about ultimate reality, about God, etc., that we presuppose or accept, even unwittingly or unconsciously, when we interpret the Bible. No one approaches the biblical text with an empty mind. If, for instance, someone's world view categorically rules out any supernatural intervention by God, that person will not read and understand Scripture as a true and reliable report of what God has done in history, but will interpret it in very differently from someone who accepts the reality of the supernatural. Interpreters of the Bible cannot completely divest themselves from their own past, their experiences, resident ideas and preconceived notions and opinions. Total neutrality or absolute objectivity cannot be achieved. Bible study and theological reflection always happen against the background of presuppositions about the nature of the world and the nature of God. But the good news is that the Holy Spirit can open up and correct our limited perspectives and presuppositions when we read the words of Scripture with an open mind and honest heart. The Bible repeatedly affirms that people with vastly different backgrounds were able to understand the Word of God and that the Holy Spirit leads us, as it says in John 16.13, into all truth. So to finish today, what are some of your own presuppositions regarding the world? In what ways can you surrender all of them to the Word of God so that the Word itself can reshape your ideas to be more in harmony with the reality that the Bible teaches. Monday, May 4. Translation and Interpretation The Bible was written in very ancient languages. 
The Old Testament was written mostly in Hebrew, with a few passages in Aramaic, while the New Testament was written in Koine Greek. The majority of the world population today does not speak and read those ancient languages. Hence, the Bible has to be translated into different modern languages. But, as any good translator knows, every translation always involves some kind of interpretation. Some words in one language do not have an exact equivalent in another. The art and skill of carefully translating and then interpreting texts is called hermeneutics. Question. Read 1 Corinthians 12.10, 1 Corinthians 14.26, John 1.41, John 9.7, Acts 9.36 and Luke 24.27. In all the above passages we see the idea of interpretation and translation. In Luke 24.27, even Jesus had to explain the meaning of the scripture to the disciples. What does this tell us about the importance of interpretation? Let's start with 1 Corinthians 12.10. To another, the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, and to another different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. 1 Corinthians 14.26 How is it then, brethren, whenever we come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation? Let all things be done for edification. John 1, verse 41, He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. John 9, verse, verse 7, And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Acts 9, verse 36. At Joppa there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. And Luke 24, verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The Greek word hermeneuo, from which we get the word hermeneutics, biblical interpretation, is derived from the Greek god Hermes. Hermes was considered to be an emissary and messenger of the gods, and as such was responsible for, among other things, translating divine messages for the people. The crucial point for us in regard to hermeneutics is that unless we read the original languages, our only access to the texts is through translations. Fortunately, many translations do a good job of conveying the essential meaning. We do not need to know the original language to be able to understand the crucial truths revealed in Scripture, even if having that linguistic knowledge could be beneficial. Yet, even with a good translation, a proper interpretation of the texts is important as well, as we saw in Luke 24:27. Let's read that again. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. That's the key purpose of hermeneutics, to convey accurately the meaning of Bible texts and to help us know how to apply properly the text teaching to our lives now. 
As the text in Luke above shows, Jesus did this for his followers. Imagine what it must have been like having Jesus himself interpret passages for you. And so to finish the day, many people have access to various translations, but many don't. Whatever translations you have to work with, why is it important to study the word prayerfully and to seek to obey its teachings? Tuesday, May 5. The Bible and Culture. Question. Read Acts chapter 17, verses 16 to 32. In this chapter, Acts 17, Paul tried to deliver the gospel message in a new context, the philosophy of Greek culture. How do different cultural backgrounds impact how we evaluate the importance of various ideas? Acts 17, beginning at verse 16. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshippers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him, and some said, What does this babbler want to say? Others said, He seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them about Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak? For you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, Since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained." He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. 
And, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, while others said, We will hear you again on this matter. A background knowledge of Near Eastern culture is helpful for understanding some biblical passages. Quoting from Methods of Bible Study, section 4P, uh, from the Adventist Biblical Research uh, Organization, um, slash materials, slash Bible interpretation, hermeneutics, slash methods of Bible study, we read, for example, Hebrew culture attributed responsibility to an individual for acts he did not commit, but that he allowed to happen. Therefore, The inspired writers of the scriptures commonly credit God with doing actively that which in Western thought we would say he permits or does not prevent from happening. For example, the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. End of quote. Culture also raises some important hermeneutical questions. Is the Bible culturally conditioned and thus only relative to that culture in what it asserts? Or does the divine message given in a particular culture transcend this particular culture and speak to all human beings? What happens if one's own cultural experience becomes the basis and litmus test for our interpretation of Scripture? In Acts 17.26, the Apostle Paul gives an interesting perspective on reality that is often overlooked when people read this text. He states that God made us all from one blood. While we are culturally very diverse, biblically speaking, there is a common bond that unites all people, despite their cultural difference. And that's because God is the creator of all humanity. Our sinfulness and our need of salvation is not limited to one culture. We all need the salvation offered to us by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Though God spoke to specific generations, he saw to it that future generations reading the word of God would understand that those truths go beyond the local and limited circumstances during which the Bible texts were written. As a parallel... Think about algebra, which was first invented in the 9th century AD in Baghdad. Does this mean, then, that the truths and principles of this branch of mathematics are limited only to that time and place? Of course not. The same principle applies to the truths of God's Word. Though the Bible was written a long time ago in cultures very different from ours today, The truths it contains are as relevant to us now as they were to whom they were first addressed. Wednesday, May 6. Our Sinful and Fallen Nature. Question. Read John 9, verses 39 to 41, and John 12, 42 to 43. What hindered the people in these passages from accepting the truth of the biblical passage? What words of warning and caution can we take away from these incidents for ourselves? 
First of all, John 9, beginning at verse 39, And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see. Therefore your sin remains. And John 12, verses 42 to 43. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. It's easy to look back with scorn at the religious leaders who rejected Jesus despite such powerful evidence. Yet, We need to be careful ourselves that we don't foster a similar attitude when it comes to his word. There is no question that sin has radically altered, ruptured and fractured our relationship with God. Sin affects all of our human existence. It also affects our ability to interpret scripture. It is not just that our human thought processes are easily employed for sinful ends, but our minds and thoughts have been corrupted by sin and therefore become closed to God's truth. The following characteristics of this corruption can be detected in our thinking, pride, self-deception, doubt, distance and disobedience. A prideful person elevates himself or herself over God and his word. This is because pride leads the interpreter to overemphasize human reason as the final arbiter of truth, even truths found in the Bible. This attitude diminishes the divine authority of Scripture. Some people tend to listen only to those ideas that are attractive to them, even if they are in contradiction to God's revealed will. God has warned us about the danger of self-deception in Revelation 3.17 Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Sin also fosters doubt, in which we waver and are inclined not to believe God's word. When one starts with doubt, The interpretation of the biblical text will never lead to certainty. Instead, the doubting person quickly elevates himself to a position where he judges what is and is not acceptable in the Bible, which is very dangerous ground to be standing on. Instead, we should approach the Bible in faith and submission, and not with an attitude of criticism and doubt. Pride, self-deception and doubt lead to an attitude of distance toward God and the Bible that surely will lead to disobedience, that is, an unwillingness to follow God's revealed will. And so to finish the day, have you ever found yourself fighting against conviction from what you have read in the Bible? That is, it clearly directed you to do one thing, but you wanted to do another? What happened, and what did you learn from your experience?
Thursday, May 7. Why interpretation is important. Question. Read Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 to 3 and verse 8. Why is a clear understanding of Scripture so important for us, not only as individuals, but as a church? Nehemiah 8, beginning at verse 1. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate, from morning until midday, before the men and women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Nehemiah 8 verse 8, So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense, and helped them to understand the reading. The most important question in the Bible is the question of salvation and how we are saved. After all, what else matters in the long run? What good is it, as Jesus himself told us, if we gain all that the world offers and lose our own souls? In Matthew 16.26, let's read that. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul. But to know what the Bible teaches about salvation depends very much on interpretation. If we approach and interpret the Bible wrongly, we will likely come to false conclusions, not just in the understanding of salvation, but in everything else that the Bible teaches. In fact, even in the time of the apostles, theological error had already crept into the church no doubt buttressed by false interpretations of Scripture. Question. Read Second Peter 3, verses 15 and 16. What does this tell us about how important a correct reading of Scripture is? Second Peter 3, beginning at verse 15. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the Scriptures. Indeed, if we are a people of the book, who want to live by the Bible and the Bible alone, and we do not have other authoritative sources such as tradition, creeds, or the teaching authority of the Church to interpret the Bible for us, then the issue of a correct hermeneutic of the Bible is so important because we have only the Bible to tell us what we shall believe and how we shall believe. The issue of the interpretation of Scripture is vital to the theological and missiological health of the Church. Without a correct interpretation of the Bible, there can be no unity of doctrine and teaching, and thus no unity of the Church and our mission. A bad and distorted theology inevitably leads to a deficient and distorted mission. After all, if we have a message to give to the world, but are confused about the meaning of the message, how efficiently will we be able to present that message to those who need to hear it?
So to finish the day, read the three angels' messages of Revelation 14, verses 6 to 12. What are the theological issues here, and why is a correct understanding of them so important to our mission? Let's read those texts. Revelation 14, beginning at verse 6. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and springs of water. And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image, and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends for ever and ever. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Friday, May 8. In your study of the Word, lay at the door of investigation your preconceived opinions and your hereditary and cultivated ideas. We read from Messages to Young People, page 260. It continues, You will never reach the truth if you study the Scriptures to vindicate your own ideas. Leave these at the door, and with a contrite heart, go in to hear what the Lord has to say to you. As the humble seeker for truth sits at Christ's feet and learns of him, the word gives him understanding. To those who are too wise in their own conceit to study the Bible, Christ says, You must become meek and lowly in heart if you desire to become wise unto salvation. Do not read the word in the light of former opinions, but with a mind free from prejudice, search it carefully and prayerfully. If, as you read, conviction comes and you see that your cherished opinions are not in harmony with the word, do not try to make the word fit these opinions. Make your opinions fit the word. Do not allow what you have believed or practiced in the past to control your understanding. Open the eyes of your mind to behold wondrous things out of the law. Find out what is written and then plant your feet on the eternal rock. End of quote. And that brings us to our three discussion questions for this week. One, how do our worldview, our education and our culture influence our interpretation of Scripture? Why is it so important for us to be aware of the outside influences that we inevitably bring to our interpretation of the Bible? Two, we all agree that we are sinful and negatively impacted by sin. 
In what ways does sin affect how we read the Bible? That is, what does sin do to us that could cause us to misinterpret the Word of God? For example, how might a desire to do something condemned in the Bible cause us to read the Bible in a skewed way? In what other ways does sin filter how we interpret the Bible? 3. How can a better understanding of the biblical times and culture help us better understand some passages of Scripture? Give some examples. Inside Story Our mission story this week is titled Losing Four Sons in Poland and it's by Andrew McChesney of Adventist Mission. God blessed Wisła Wieraska with four sons in Lodzd, Poland. Then her son Gregorus died in a freak accident when he was 26. He had taken up running and while jogging near railroad tracks was sucked onto the tracks by the wind of a fast-passing train. Her son Jacek committed suicide at 28. He struggled with life and hanged himself. Sluick was 39 when he was beaten badly in a street mugging. He died in the hospital. Her last son, Jaroslav, was diagnosed with a brain tumour when he was 16. After multiple operations, he died at 33. Winneraska has no sons to turn to for help in her old age. At 68, she is in failing health. She has diabetes and has suffered two strokes. She has severe back problems and walks with a cane. She has lost most of her sight and expects to go blind. My life hasn't been a bed of roses, she said. Even so, I can say that I am happy. In fact, I have never been as happy as I am now. Several years ago, a young medical student, Thomas Caroda, knocked on her house door with a free copy of the Signs of the Times magazine. After that, he visited often to talk and offer encouragement. He helped her travel to the hospice to visit her dying son, Jaroslav, and he comforted her the day that he died. Tomek was the first person in my life who helped me, uh, Winneraska said. He showed me God. After she lost her last son, she gave her heart to Jesus. I feel like Job, she said. I have received so much, and I have lost so much as well. But God has given me a second life, just like Job. Winneraska loves Psalm 23:4, which she reads, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Winneraska, pictured here, also loves to share her life story with Adventist congregations. Young people usually respond with tears. She tells them that she would never want anyone to suffer an ordeal like hers. God's love kept me alive, she said. My new life began with baptism. Without God, I don't know what would have happened to me. Thank you for your 13th Sabbath offering in 2017 that helped build a television studio for Hope Channel in Poland, broadcasting the gospel to the Polish-speaking world. 
This lesson was read by Dr. Percy Harold for Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, Christian Record Services for the Blind, the Sabbath School Department and Hope Channel. You can also listen on the official Sabbath School 4 app and the Apple iTunes app, Sabbath School with Percy Harold. Remember, God is always faithful.